I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. The newly enacted education law, the Every Student Succeeds Act, puts states back in the driver's seat when it comes to designing school accountability systems. To some, the law presents an overdue opportunity for innovation after more than a decade of federal prescription under No Child Left Behind. Others worry that we are already seeing signs of a retreat from accountability. How can states make good use of their autonomy in the age of ESSA, and how likely are they to do so? I'm Marty West, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next, and my guest today is Jeb Bush, former Florida governor and the president and chairman of the board of the Foundation for Excellence in Education. He's also the author of a new article in Ednex with advice for states on how to set up their school accountability systems under the Every Student Succeeds Act. Governor Bush, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Great to be with you. So there's a lot I hope we can discuss, but I want to dive in with your recommendations for states on how to set up their accountability systems. What principles should they have in mind when thinking about school accountability? I think they need to uh, make sure that there's total transparency, that parents understand the system. Uh, I like the idea, and I think it's important to have a uh, accumulation of whatever the inputs are for the creation of where a school stands, to have a summative um, ending to it so that there's clarity there. Uh, there should be uh, a focus on uh, the flexibility. The, the law still requires a test to be given, but this is a good time to pause and say, how can we make the test not just a measurement of where a student is uh, at, in February or March, but where it should be at the end of the year, and make sure it's diagnostic as well, and that there is a, there's a requirement of um, a report card, if you will. I think it ought to be a report card, something that, that a mom and a dad can understand. So greater transparency, maintaining robust accountability that people understand, and of course, uh, using the Florida example and many others now, I think there should be rewards for improvement and a consequence that's different for failure. States are going to have that chance. And, I, and the, other, the final part of this that's really kind of at the core of, of whether you're serious about reform or serious about rising student achievement is in the test that you have to administer, does it matter? Is there a consequence? And secondly, where's your cut score going to be? Because, as you know, the gaming that has gone on in the last decade of having the requirement of testing but then lowering the cut score so everybody's above average in effect hasn't yielded the kind of uh, rising student achievement that it could have. And that was one of the sort of natural uh, consequences, maybe the unintended consequences of the approach taken by No Child Left Behind, where we set very high standards with respect to the percentage of students that needed to demonstrate yeah. proficiency but said nothing about what the definition of proficiency would be. Exactly. And uh, to make made matters worse, you ended up with uh, the law not being reauthorized for five years. And so by then, all the cells, the, the different groups of students that were being measured, you had to have 100 percent proficiency, which uh, even the best school is never going to reach that. That's, that's, that's unhuman. We're, yeah. we're imperfect. And so uh, it, 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 it the boat went out of the port over the horizon and no one could see it anymore and so no one saw the relevance of that kind of accountability. The other thing that states can look at now is using the data that now has gotten richer, many data sets that, that um, are richer and you can, you can 
project what the future might look like by what the past has been uh, and, and move towards learning gains being a key, key element of any accountability system. Uh, in Florida, we, this, this is not going to be a big deal in Florida because we already have an, we had an accountability system prior to No Child Left Behind. We had to modify it a few times and I thought in some cases it wasn't to the betterment of the mm -hmm. accountability system. But, so there'll be some changes, but the idea of having proficiency and learning gains be at the core of an accountability system is really important. And that's what something ESSA allows states to do, to exactly. say we're going to look at both the level at which students are performing and the gains that they're making over time, and actually doesn't say much about how much weight they should place on either of those indicators. And I think that's a great uh, change, and I think ESSA, the, the, the sponsors of ESSA deserve a lot of credit for that. So the responsibility now, they can't, you can't blame the feds anymore. You know, that's always the standard operating procedure for almost every policy when you're a governor, when things go tough. Yeah, it's Washington's problem. <laughs> the, ESSA, the ESSA deal, you know, there's very few prescriptions in this, and uh, it creates a real opportunity to either take a step back or to move forward. Now, perhaps the most controversial recommendation that you put forward in the Ed Next piece is that states go so far as to assign a specific grade to each school. We yeah. referred to it earlier as a summative rating uh, in Florida. They yeah. use an A through F system. The Obama administration, the Department of Education, has directed states that they do need to assign summative ratings to schools, and that's already generated a bit of pushback yeah. from the states. Why do you think that's so important? Because it's transparent, and no reform, no change, if you can't explain it to people, is sustainable. Everybody knows an A is better than an F, and if you align a system towards you know, testing faithfully and accurately, having um, uh, rewards for improvement and having a consequence for uh, chronic failure, you're going to get a better result. The Florida story and other, story, other states that have applied this have yielded that result. So in Education Next, I laid out uh, a proposal that um, I hope states will follow. California is following a completely different model. Yeah, I should say your article is paired with one yeah, from the president of the State Board of Education in California, Mike Kirst. Uh, making the case for a more of a dashboard approach where there's not a summative rating. They find a way to identify schools at the very bottom 5%, but other than that, they want to avoid the type of clear indicator that you uh, are suggesting. And the case they make is that the dashboard of information that you can provide about performance along many dimensions um, can be much more useful for improvement. Why? Except it's not performance oriented, it's input oriented. It's talking about attendance, talking about safety. Every one of those parameters can be gamed. And they may not have to game it because there may not be a consequence anyway. And it may be so obtuse that no one can understand it anyway. Uh, it's color coordinated rather than A, B, C, D, and F. I mean, put, I think people, sometimes policy people need to, uh, unless they're doing this knowingly, and that may be the case that accountability is bad, let's just make it as confusing as possible. I, I totally disagree with that, but that may be their strategy. But informing moms and dads about this is essential. So if there are criteria outside of a single test, and I would say there are, that should be part of the reporting process to parents. This is not saying that, that you know, a test is the end all and be all, nothing else matters. But if you had to pick the one thing that does matter, it's rising student achievement. And the only way to know if a, if a student is learning is to be able to assess how they're doing. And I think, the, I think the interest ought to be aligned to that. And the other elements of the inputs that could create a climate where that may happen more often than not 
ought to be uh, part of, of, a, of a process of information, informing parents. But when it's vague and not transparent, you're not going to get the result that I think we need. The other thing I hear you saying is that we need to make sure that what goes into the summative rating is clearly an output rather than Completely. an input. And uh, yeah, it so doesn't in, necessarily need to be the one state test, but it, at the high school level, for example, could draw on other exams. things. exams. Uh, it could be into course exams. It could be, you could have, um, in Florida, we have AP, you know, number of kids that pass an AP test, which saves parents a lot of money. When they, when they realize that they're not only an AP test is higher level and they should be proud of their son even taking an AP class, but then passing it, there's value there of joy, of celebration, of success. But they also save, in some states, a ton of money because those three credit hours, someone's paying mm -hmm. for it. It's probably either going to be at the back of a student with recourse debt from the federal student loan program or a mom or a dad paying for it. So um, all these things that align our interests, an accountability system that aligns the interest towards rising student achievement, I think there are many other elements other than just one test for sure. Now, you mentioned earlier the role of state uh, school report cards that states are required to mm -hmm. uh, produce under ESSA as they were under mm -hmm. No Child Left Behind. Most of the school report cards that I've looked at, even here in Massachusetts, aren't exactly models of clarity. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's la I'm laughing because it's laughable. Well, it's, so it's outrageous. Why is that the case? Why have states let this go on? And uh, what should be done about it? Well, first of all, I, I don't think that big bureaucracy, the state ed boards of education uh, inside the bowels of those departments have a big marketing department. Those, the people that work in these departments are regulators by and large, not they're not there to, uh, to promote anything other than to regulate, you know, to create the rules around, around the school. So I've seen the same um, report cards. They're horrible. So what to do? Well, in the case of the foundation that I preside over, we created a competition to create a, you know, and had independent judges of people that uh, know about, know this stuff better than I do. And we selected an entity that is, uh, with open source um, software for states to use that and they can maybe adapt it to, you know, instead of the Sunshine Skill report card, it might be the Peach mm -hmm. report, whatever, make it, make it uh, localized in that regard. But, but find creative ways to get this information in the hands of parents. One of the things I believe passionately is that any assessment should have a diagnostic element to it as well. So you have to measure and along the way, you know, so you're, let's say you're a below basic reader, and that's the only information you give a teacher, how is he or she going to know what to do? And if a parent sees this, they're going to think, well, maybe the test was wrong, or there's too much pressure, and they get into this whole notion of, you know, because there's not information, they begin to um, um, pull away from accountability, which is still supported by three quarters of the American people. So I think the next step in a, in a robust accountability system is to not only continue with assessments closer to the end of the year rather than the middle, but also make sure that before the, the school year starts, uh, the next school year, the incoming student's teacher has the information about why it is that they are where they are. And that information is part of the report card to parents as well. My son took the park test in third grade last year in Massachusetts, and I still don't know how he did. Uh, we're now so what's a few the, weeks into the school year. I think you think state test systems should take on that challenge of trying to be more useful diagnostically. Some people think that rather we should use formative tests for that purpose. And 
that's one of the things though that led to the really proliferation of exactly. uh, testing in schools is, yeah. uh, so you think state test systems could take on that challenge? I think you could add a, an element of a test so that the burden isn't expanded, uh, which is one of the big concerns that families have that, that two, two things that I hear from parents. One, there's too many tests, and many of those tests, most of those tests are locally driven, not state or federal. There's one federal mandate for one state test. Be beyond that, the other 45 tests mm -hmm. are pre preparing for that state test, and m much of which is counterproductive. So if you lessen the number of tests there and you turn the, the assessment test uh, into, add an element into it so that you can see where little Johnny needs to improve and get it back to the hands of, of parents, this whole opt-out movement will die and more importantly, parents will be engaged. Imagine, and this does exist in private settings and hopefully in some, some uh, public schools, uh, on the first week in a parent-teacher uh, meeting, the teacher has gotten the assessment and underst understands the diagnostic cool, the tools. The parent has already gotten the report card talking about the results of last year uh, with suggestions on what they could do to improve where uh, where little Johnny's got his issue, and they have a conversation about it, and they develop a strategy around it. That would make high-performing students do better, it would make low-performing students do better, and make the middle grow as well. And I think that's the next generation of this, and ESSA gives states the chance to implement something like that, uh, whereas the No Child Left Behind Act, that was silent, it didn't have any, it wasn't, wasn't part of it. So we're now nine months into the age of ESSA. Um, the age of ESSA, it's like a, it might be here for a while. Prehistoric no child time, left behind. <laughs> uh, based on what you're seeing so far, are you optimistic that states will use their autonomy well? I can't tell because there's very little, uh, I haven't seen many, many um, plans be published. The one big one is the California one, and that would lead me to believe that that is a backing away from accountability. Uh, so it's hard to tell. I think. Uh, I think the clarity of the rules needs, to, there needs to be um, more clarity of the rules. Our foundation is going to work to provide, uh, create a toolkit for state policymakers to be able to implement this. And I, I believe they're going to take it seriously. So state by state, we'll see how it plays out. There are many states that are committed to reform and willing to fight the fight. One of the theories of the law is that allowing those states to really take a leadership role may provide some models for the future, I would say. And so yeah. maybe the question isn't whether every state is using the autonomy well, but whether uh, at least some are. Absolutely. And ultimately, all of this account, these accountability systems that are um, related to our schools matter if there's rising student achievement. So that's the, uh, you know, that's the, the truth serum still exists. You got the NAEP test. And if you have an accountability system that says every one of my children is above average, uh, the truth serum will prove that that's wrong. And, um, and hopefully that sense of urgency that we used to be number one, I mean, I traveled a lot this last year all around and you hear people talking about our state was number one you know, in 1990, now we're lagging behind. Or our state's moving up. That, that sense that we're either in our ascendancy or in our decline will create a constituency for broader base reform. Well, Governor Bush, thank you for taking the time to join the podcast today and sharing your expertise with us. Thanks. You've been listening to the Ednext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. 
And while you're there, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners find us. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org.